If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them with me to the book of Acts, the uh, 27th chapter, verse 30. As the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff or the lifeboat, the emergency boat, a small little boat on the big ship, when they let down the skiff into the sea, listen to these words, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. Pretense is the word pretend. That's where it comes from. They were pretending to be doing one thing, but they were actually doing something else. Paul said to the centurion, the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes off the lifeboat and let it fall off. And I want to talk to you this morning about this story because it is, uh, it's, really, it's really something. I love that verse, verse 32, when it said they cut the ropes and they eliminated the option B. That's what I'm preaching on, eliminating option B. And let me tell you why I say that. Something powerful happens in our walk with God when we learn to stay in the ship with Jesus, hold on to God. Storms do never are sent to destroy us. They're sent to make us stronger in our faith. In 1853, America hosted its first World's Fair in New York City. The organizers built a beautiful exhibition place called the Crystal Palace. There, the latest and greatest event inventions were showcased. This is also where a man by the name of Elisha Otis pulled off one of the most remarkable stunts in sales in the history of the World's Fair. Otis was the inventor of the safety elevator brake. But he had a hard time selling the safety elevator brake. And many were skeptics. And so he wanted to do something special. So here's what he did. There are actually pictures of this. He, in a large room like this, much larger, he built a huge platform like an elevator. And he had it lowered from the ceiling and he stood in it. That's actually a picture of it. Thank you. And he stood in it and he got all the attention of the thousands of people and they turned and they watched and he had a man with an ax on the side. And he said, when I tell you, cut the rope. And when he screamed, cut the rope, the axeman hit the rope with an ax and the whole platform and elevator thing he was standing on collapsed only to be caught by his special elevator break. And suddenly, uh, all the people were gasping, you know, and, and, and ooing and aahing, and they thought that it was going to crash. But when that break caught it, suddenly he cried out, all safe, ladies and gentlemen, all safe. When Elisha Otis pulled off this unforgettable sales pitch, there were only a few buildings in New York City that were taller than five floors. The reason was because no one wanted to climb the stairs and they didn't trust the elevators. 
But then in 1854, Otis installed an elevator in a building on Broadway, and the rest is history. By 1890, there were 10 buildings taller than 10 stories. By 1900, there were 65 buildings taller, taller than 20 stories. And by 1908, there were 538 buildings in New York City that qualified as skyscrapers. More and more buildings got taller and taller because one man cried out, cut the rope. And something else happened. Higher floors started producing higher revenues. It wasn't long until people realized I don't have to climb stairs. The elevator is safe. Elisha Otis has turned the world upside down and he didn't just invent the safety elevator break, but he had the modern skyscraper. He's the one who has given the achievement of the modern day skyscraper making it possible. At last count, New York City had 58,000 elevators. Those elevators make 11 billion trips every year, and that's just in New York City. According to the Otis Elevator Company, which is still in business, the equivalent of the world's population rides on their products every three days, all because Elisha Otis had the courage to cut the rope. And when I read that story, I couldn't help but think of how I read this text in Acts 27 where Paul gave the commandment to the centurion and the soldiers to eliminate option B and cut the rope. And here's what I want you to see. The skyscrapers, they could never go as high as they wanted to go until somebody cut the rope. As long as there was a plan B, an option B, an alternative, then you stay down here in the lowlands. But the moment that somebody cried, cut the rope and eliminated option B and said, no, we're going for it. That determined how high you could go. I believe that in America, it's possible that we are becoming a nation of quitters. People are so quick to give up, to throw in the towel, to say, what's the use? And the main reason that people quit is because they think in their mind they have an alternative to plan A, and that's plan B. Anytime you have an option to do plan B, you don't try as hard to make plan A work. As long as you have in your mind another option, plan B, if this Christian thing doesn't work out, if this marriage thing doesn't work out, if this following God's will doesn't work out, it's okay, I've got plan B. I promise you, you probably won't make it long over here. But that rope that you're holding on to that's connected to plan B is the very thing that holds you down and causes you not to go up as high as God wants to take you. Fear, anxiety, worry are invading the people's lives that are God's children. Satan is wearing out the saints of the Most High as Daniel predicted he would do in the last days. He's trying to weaken your faith. He's trying to weaken your resolve. This is a big one. He's trying to weaken your determination to quit, to, to, to keep trying. He wants you to stop. He wants you to give up. He wants you to settle for plan B when he knows God has plan A. 
I've just come today to make a declaration. I don't care what the devil does. I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to give in and I'm not going to live in fear because God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind, and I will not quit. And I just want to announce that if you're thinking about quitting, and if you're thinking about opting out to plan B for your life, God's my way instead of God's way, you came to the wrong church. This is not a place to come if you're thinking about quitting. This is not a place for young couples to come who are thinking about and pretending pretending like you're going to make it work, but you really have decided and you're working on plan B when you know God already has given you plan A. If you feel like quitting, remember where you started. Remember how he saved you. Remember how he lifted you. Remember how he's encouraged you. Remember how he's provided for you. And remember how he has healed you. And you have to decide in your mind, I am not quitting. There is no plan B in my life. I'm going all the way with Jesus. I have decided to follow him. And you know what? His way is the right way. And plan B is the devil's way or my own flesh's way or the easier way. And I'm going to cut the rope and I'm going to see where this thing takes me. I believe it'll take me all the way to heaven. Paul was in a storm in Acts chapter 27, and some of the men on the ship wanted to jump ship. But Paul said, an angel has visited me on this ship in a storm for 14 days, and he told me that except we stay in the ship, no one will be saved. You've got to stay on the ship or you will perish. And the scripture said there were some sailors who, when Paul said, drop the anchors, the scripture said, they pretending, please throw it up, they pretending, pretending that they were going to lower the anchors, instead lowered the lifeboat. In the next, in the next verse, it says they lowered, the, they lowered the lifeboat, the skiff. They were letting it down. So I want you to see this. They're in the ship. They are on the good old gospel ship, but they're in a storm, and in a storm you feel like quitting, and in a storm you're being tossed and turned, and in a storm it's not happy and clappy, and in the storm there's tears and there's worry and there's all kinds of things, but that's instead of dropping their anchors and saying, I'm more determined than I've ever been. I'm not letting go of God now. I'm going through a storm. I'm not about to quit now. Drop the anchors. Bless God. If I die, I will die trusting God. If it's a fight all the way to heaven, I'm going to fight all the way to heaven, but I am not abandoning this gospel ship. I'm not giving up on fellowship. I'm, I'm coming to church. I'm not giving up on stewardship. I'm, God's going to be Lord of my money. I'm not going to give up on, on discipleship. I, I'm going to keep growing in the Lord. And just because I'm going through a storm, I'm not pulling up my anchors and letting down the lifeboat. But notice what they did. They pretending that they were, yes, hallelujah, we're in a storm. They're pretending to be doing one thing while they were doing another. They were letting down the, the lifeboat saying, don't tell anybody, but we're fixing to jump ship. It's pretty amazing that you can be in church and have plan B. 
and think you can fool God. And Paul, with great discernment, through the power of the Holy Spirit, discerned these men are pretending that they are doing one thing while they're actually scheming and planning to do another thing, pretending to be like they're letting down anchors, but they're letting down an escape boat. Doing one thing while pretending to be doing the other. And Paul discerning said, if they don't stay in the boat, they're not going to make it because the alternative is not the answer. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying here today. I am your Apostle Paul this morning. And I've come to tell somebody that the alternative is not the answer. There's only one way. Really what Paul was saying is let it be known there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the, in the church and one foot in the escape boat. And if this don't work out, I'm going with plan B. But when you want victory, when you want to grow, when you want to go up to where God wants to take you, when you want to sit with Christ in heavenly places, it requires you to cut the ropes and say, I have decided to follow Jesus and whatever it costs me, I am going all the way. You really don't have an option with plan B. It's that way, his way, or you will perish. Cut the ropes. I don't know what you are planning. I don't know what your intentions are. I don't know what little boats floating in the water there and your little uh, pockets tied around your boat, your belt, uh, uh, a rope that's connected to an escape situation if it doesn't work out like you want it. It's not about what you want. Your ways are not his ways. Your, your will is not his will. And Jesus himself had to fight this battle and he had to cut the rope in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, I'd just soon get in the lifeboat and get out of here. I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't want to drink from that cup. But then he got to the place where he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but let me cut the rope and let me cut it and sever my will from God's will. I choose God's will because his way is right. And if he lets me go through a crucifixion, he'll raise me up three days later. The elevator's going up either way and I'm going to win. But if I abandon God's plan, y'all are not going to preach with me, are you? You're a bunch of, are you hearing me? How about you up in the balcony sitting up there like statues? We didn't come out here today to play church. Give me a big amen, somebody. You got to get in this thing. You got to cut the ropes. You got to make up your mind. You got to quit playing church and pretending like I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Let it be known there's only one way to be saved. Come out from among them. Get rid of your alternatives. Get rid of your other options. Pretending to do one thing while you're making plans to do something else. Plans right now. There are people under the sound of my voice. You're either planning to live for God, planning to stay in church, planning to do His will and keep His commandments, or you are planning to backslide. And there are both groups that I'm preaching to right now at every campus and wherever you're listening to this message. Some of you are literally on the ship 
but you have no intentions of being sold out to Christ. You just want a little soul uh, salve for your spirit enough to make you feel like you won't go to hell. But I'm telling you today, I've come with a word from the Lord. You at some point have, there's what I'm looking for. You at some point have got to pull out the sword and say, you know what? I'm not going to let the internet send me to hell. I'm going to cut some ropes. I'm not going to let alcoholism and sexual immorality send me to hell. I'm not going to let condemnation, shame, and guilt from my past defeat me. I'm going to Cut some ropes. you got to learn at some point that it's not keeping you down. What's keeping you down is those ropes. And when you cut them, then you begin to go up. You get on the elevator. And you go up pretending. Pretending. Your alternative is not the answer. Plan B is not the answer. Cut the rope. It's not time to quit. It's not time to give up. And for God's sake, it's not time to have one foot in the lifeboat and, and, and plan B and one foot in the church. You're going to be miserable. People are not happy who live like that, who ride the fence. You get joy. It overtakes you when you make up your mind. I'm never going back. You might as well get rid, get, goodbye, Mr. Drug Man. Goodbye, goodbye, Mr. Dope Dealer. Goodbye, I'm never going back. And you say, I can't do that. I just can't do it. You can do what you want to do. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. But you know what you're doing? You, 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 Jesus won't give up on you, but you're choosing to live down here and you might get to the fifth floor your whole life of what God had when he had stories and stories and stories and stories and stories planned for you. But you wouldn't cut the rope. Wouldn't cut the rope on some old friends. Wouldn't cut the rope on some relationships. You know, as long as you got a plan B, that's when people quit. It's when they've got a plan B. That's why they quit their marriage. Rarely is it because plan A is getting tough only, but it's when you in your mind go there and say, well, there is a plan B. I do like that girl at the water cooler. On Fridays, we've been hanging out and eating a muffin and a coffee. And I'm getting a vibe from her or him, or all of them now. I don't know what, what people are doing out there. I, I, don't, I don't even know. It's a shim. My God, we need to cut some ropes off of us. You can become carnal. You can become worldly. And at some point, you need to come to a good, red-hot service and take the Word of God that knows your intents and your thoughts that are evil and cut yourself loose. And then you'll be free and God will take you higher than you ever dreamed you could go. In Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 16, the Bible said that Ezekiel said the spirit brought me into the temple. And he said, when I got in the inner court of the house of the Lord, 
I noticed 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east and they were worshiping the sun toward the east. Let's say this is the temple. Let's say that is the Ark of the Covenant or that's behind that curtain is the Ark of the Covenant in God's presence. They were standing in the temple but they were not facing God. They were not facing the, the Word. They were not facing the presence of God. They were there physically in the right place, but they were facing the opposite direction. In other words, they were in the right place, but they were looking in the wrong direction. It's possible to be in the right place and be facing the wrong direction. That's what many people do. They come to church, but they're not, they're, not, they're not looking at this. They're not living their life by this. They're not looking at Jesus. They're not full of Jesus. They're in church. Thank God. And I want to congratulate you. Something in you still drawing you. Something in you still pulling you. But I'm going to tell you when you get free is you need to turn back around. You need to get your eyes off of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and get them back on Jesus, and get them back on the Word, and get them back on his promises and watch what he will do. He'll take you up, 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 out, 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 and you can get free and those chains and those ropes will break off of you. You were born for greater things than being an addict and a slave and, and full of shame and guilt and condemnation. You by the Holy Spirit can cut the ropes. Abraham said to Lot, you choose the direction you want to go. And the Bible said in Genesis 15, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the well-watered grass of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, I'm going there. He was already looking in that direction. There's a lot of people who are in church, but they're not facing the cross. They're not facing Jesus. They're not facing his glory and his presence and his word. They're looking in the wrong direction even while they're in church. Let me tell you what Lot's problem was. He was a man who was walking with a man who was walking with God. He was walking with Abraham and Abraham was walking with God. He was a man who was walking with a man who was walking with God. There's a big difference between someone who's walking with God and someone who's walking with someone who's walking with God. Mama cannot get you into heaven. Daddy cannot get you into heaven. Preacher cannot get you into heaven. you got to walk with God for yourself. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his glory and grace. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. The Holy Spirit will renew your mind and cut away the cobwebs of hell and the shame and the guilt and you'll begin to get up out of the grave and say, I am alive again. I'm alive again. Hallelujah. You've got to make up your own mind and say, I'm cutting the ropes today. I started to order a bunch of scissors, little kid scissors, but instead, I figured out a cheaper way. Everybody get your fingers out and say, right now, I need to cut some ropes. Oh, you ain't that clean. You ain't that pure. You need to cut some ropes. You know, after 35 years of being married to Sharice, we, divorce is no longer an option. 
That plan B is not, I'm too old to start over. I got too many miles for a trade-in. And, and I am not, I am not looking for option B in marriage. Give me a big amen. I just want to say, I've had to take out of my life the word, I, it's not even an option for me to backslide. I don't get up every day and I'm looking out in the world. Let me see what I can get into. It's not even an option. I've already settled that. Backsliding is not even in my vocabulary. Divorce is not even in my vocabulary. And I'm not acting like some, some uh, 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 nose raised high in self-righteousness looking down on people who've been through anything that you're going through. But I'm simply telling you that you can have the Holy Spirit come and eliminate the options and then suddenly all of your focus, all of your attention, all of, yeah, yeah, counseling costs too much. It's a whole lot cheaper than divorce. You don't have to clap. I remember when, uh, when that little spirit got a hold of me. I was 15 years old little rebellious spirit. And I, and I was in church. I was in the temple. I was playing the drums in church at North Rocky Mount. And then I started playing the saxophone when I was 12. And uh, I, I started playing it in church. I was up on there every Sunday night and Sunday morning. I was playing something. I was singing. I'd get up and sing. And I really loved the Lord in my own way. But, but, but something began to happen. See, see this is the mistake I could have said, I thank God that the culture back then was not one of loosey-goosey grace. But they told us, it got in us, that, that, that you can't be having option B and, and slide, sliding off the shore and, and committing all kinds of sins and coming back to the good old gospel ship and climb up the rope and say, hallelujah, I'm on the ship, but I'm looking back there. Oh, I'm going back. And, and uh, I, I was playing tenor sax back then. It's tenor sax is bigger than alto sax. I play alto sax now. And alto sax, tenor sax has a bigger, they call it the bell. The part that, that the sound comes out of a sax is called a bell. And, and the alto bell is like that. But the tenor sax has a much bigger bell. And so here I am, a 15-year-old preacher's kid. Mom's sitting right down here. She knows this is the truth. She ain't hearing this for the first time. But, um, but we, we didn't go on vacations much. We, we, didn't, we didn't have no money. We didn't, I, I can't remember any vacations to speak of. We would go to Church of God camp meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina. That was our vacation. Services all day long from morning to night. But we got to swim in the swimming pool, and that was a big deal at the day's end. Amen. And I was becoming a big bad sinner in my own mind. And I just said, I'm tired of this church stuff. You know, I started out like this. I started out loving God, worshiping God, tears, some of the happiest days of my childhood. Me and my brothers used to play church and we'd get my sister saved and we'd, get, we'd, we'd play church. We'd play church. 
and the Holy Ghost would come play in church. I'm not kidding. You, you can laugh at me if you want to, but one of us would stand up and start singing and just cry. And we were all, that's, that's how our whole life was about church. But you know, at some point you can't make it off anybody else's. It comes down to you hearing God and doing what, and, and you know, little by little, the temptations of the world started turning me. And though I was in church, I started looking out. I was in the right place. And I just want to say again, church is the right place. The house of God is the right place. Living inside of the pages of this book is the right and happy and glorious place. The right place is not the party. The right place is not the club. It'll leave you broken. It'll leave you busted. It'll leave you messed up. It'll leave you in the pig pen. This is the right place place. This is where life is and life more abundantly. Clap your hands like you believe it and you want your children and your children's children to believe it. But let me finish my little story. I'm almost done. But all of a sudden, little by little, I started turning and though I was in church, I got my eyes out on the world and I thought I'm missing out. I'm missing out on the party. I'm missing out on this. Look at that. They're having so much fun. And so little by little, you know, backsliding is not one thing. It's not one thing you do ever. Is it one thing you do? You say, well, I did something. No, but you, you still have a spirit to repent. So you're not backslid. You repent and the Lord restores. But let me tell you what, backsliding is a lot of decisions, a lot of choices. And at some point you just drift, 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 drift. And the things you used to have your conscience screaming, don't do it. Stop. Don't do it. Now you do it and it's nothing. You actually look at people like, what's the big deal? And they're like, good night. And I, I started working at a Chinese restaurant as a bus boy. And they served wine. And I said, there's my chance. <laughs> and so I'd start drinking the wine, even out of the people's glasses. I, I'd look around. And, <laughs> but I'd go to church. Hallelujah pretending like I was letting down anchors, but I had option B tied all over my belt, pulling that little skiff around. And I knew camp meeting was coming. And so I got the bright idea of, I could, sometimes people left a half a bottle or a full bottle. Sometimes they just get all caught up in each other and leave the plate and the food and everything. And I, I, I just, I had a little thing up under the thing and I'd pour my wine in there and I'd, mom, don't have a heart attack. Just relax. I made it. I'm still preaching. I took a bottle of wine, put the cap on it because it was cheap wine, put the cap on it. And I'm a teetotaler, by the way. I don't drink. And I put it down in the horn of that tenor saxophone. And I knew they had their eyes on me. They knew something ain't right with him. They were watching me like crazy. But I said, I'll outsmart them. I'm putting this bottle of wine in the tenor saxophone bell of the horn. And it fit just perfectly into that case. And I knew they may check everything I've got in that suitcase, but they will never suspect that saxophone having a bottle of wine. And I'm going to have a party on my vacation at Camp Meeting. <laughs> Some of you are like, Pastor, I, 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 well, let's tell some of your stuff, you little, 
you, you people, let me preach to the, at least the, at least the heathens in the balcony, they don't pretend. Amen. At least they don't pretend. These front row folks, I don't And so help me, I got, got that, got out one night and the service was over and, and I, I, I got that bottle of wine out, went down to the swimming pool, started drinking that wine and around the corner, here comes, here comes my uncle, uh, Tony. Tony saw me, I still believe it was Tony. I, he has never completely admitted, but I'm almost sure. And one of my cousins saw me and they called Billy Franklin, my daddy. And they said, we saw Jensen drinking wine, red wine, at the pool at the Church of My God camp meeting. And my daddy took his long black belt and he beat the red wine out of me. And I ain't wanted it since. I don't like how it tastes. I ain't never picking it up again. What are you preaching? You got to cut the rope. You know what the Bible said in Acts 19? It said in Acts 19 and 19, and many of those who practice magic got into the occult. Now, I, I repented and I'm just going to keep them in my bedroom and in a, in a, in a box. I'm going to box them up just in case the Holy Spirit doesn't need me. I can go back and check my Ouija board. Uh, and, and he practiced magic. Those that practiced magic brought their books together and watch this, burned them in the sight of all and they counted up the value. Listen to this. We don't, we got to get this back. 50,000 pieces of silver and they got in the city square and said, everybody who's done with the occult world, everybody who's done with hell, everybody who's done with wickedness and demons and devils, I want you to bring all, everything that's connected to your past, bring it and throw it in the barrel. We're going to burn it up and we're going to cut the ropes. Oh, we don't want that kind of salvation. But I'm telling you, when you get that kind of salvation, the Holy Spirit says, let's go. Let's go. I got you, my plan. I got your connections. I got everything for you. The elevator is going up. And so today, I just came by with a little word from the Lord to mess your little party up. You have to cut the ropes and eliminate option B or you're going to be one miserable little Christian. But boy, when you sever it and you get free and you say, you know what? I can live joyfully. And if you're in one of the addiction centers like New Beginnings or one of those, the enemy will tell you, oh, just, just pretend. Uh, you know, Sharon's crazy. Just pretend, Jericho House. You know, those people, these people, they're all around you. They've been, they've been, they've been, uh, they've been turned into fanatics. And, and just go through the program and do your time. And when you get out, you know where you're going, plan B. But the Holy Spirit says, if you want to be free, cut the ropes and burn the trash. Kind of radical, isn't it? You know what? Me and, me and Tracy Page were talking back, back in the green room after he heard the first service. He said, Pastor, you remember the revival you had at Free Chapel when you were not the pastor? Pastor, was I the pastor? I was the pastor. Okay, and he said, do you remember what you did? 
and he said, it wasn't you, it was Billy Cato. Was that his? Billy Mayo. We had an evangelist named Billy Mayo, and he did a thing on rock and roll. <laughs> Back masking all of it. Kiss, all of it. Y'all don't even know who Kiss is. Uh, uh, anyhow, anyhow. And he said, you know what we did the last night of that revival? He told all of us who had albums and things we had partied to, we had committed sins to, bring it and put it in the fire. Is this that kind of church? If that's what's needed, I, I guess if it was needed then, it's probably needed more now. You, you, you cut the ropes on, 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 on wickedness and demonic connections. It's not just a song. Like, like I did the same thing when, when the Lord saved me. Nobody told me I burned some of the records because some of those records I'd gotten high to. Some of those records, I had, I would, it, it, it took me back to a moment in my life that made me yearn a little bit for what I used to have. But boy, when you cut those ropes... Now I can listen to it, and all I do is move just a little bit, and, I, and, 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 it's, and it's good. But, 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 but I can do my head. That's about all I can do. But I can, I can just do my head to it, and it doesn't bother me. But when I was a young Christian, it had a connection to me. Soul ties. Some of you need to cut some people loose. You need to cut some things loose. You need to cut some old relationships loose. You need to cut some shame. You need to cut the, 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 what, what happened in the abortion clinic. Cut it loose. Jesus has. He said you're free. Jesus has washed you. You've repented. Cut it loose. Some of you have little lifeboats of grief. And the Lord says today I'm going to cut you free from grief. I don't want you in depression the rest of your life because you've lost someone. It's time to cut the ropes and burn some things and say, I'm never going back. I'm dropping my anchor and I'm staying on the ship with Jesus. Stand to your feet all over this room. Throw your hands up all over this room. Please don't be rude and walk out right now. You're, you are not more important than a soul. That's just how I got to say it. The most important part of the service, you should have went when the people were singing or I was preaching, but the most important part of the service is the altar call. And every once in a while, I have to say things like that because I'm a pastor. I'm not a hired gun. Reverence this moment. Christ died for it. Christ died for it. That's how important it is. And one little thing can break conviction off of somebody's soul. Say amen, somebody. Amen. What's conviction? It's not condemnation. It's the Holy Spirit drawing you drawing you, tugging on you, saying that is a word for you. Right now, how many of you would say, Pastor, there's some ropes on me and I need to get free. Just throw your hand up and be honest. I want every one of you that will to get out of your seat from the back to the front and come stand right down here this morning. We're about to have a deliverance service in 2020. 
If ever people ought to feel confident about coming to an altar, it ought to be in the house of God. And you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to just turn you around. It's not that you don't love him or you wouldn't be here. But what's happened is the world, the world has kind of pulled you away and you're facing the wrong direction, even though you're in the temple and the Holy Spirit is saying, you're not going back to that life. I'm going to turn you and I'm going to sever from you the ropes and I'm going to burn some things up in your life through the fire of the Holy Ghost. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on, anyone else, anyone else, anyone else, get down here, get down here. Marriages, some of you have plan B and the Lord said today, I'm speaking to you, obey me, obey me, obey me. It's not what I preach, it's not what they sing. The most important moment is what will you do with what you have heard? Anyone else? I want you right now to lift up your hands. And I want you to see the ropes that the enemy has in your life. And I want you to cut that rope. I want you symbolically and spiritually to take that sword like those soldiers did and cut the ropes and say, I'm going to follow Jesus all the way. Lift your hands and pray this prayer all over the room, right where you are. And I believe that the hold of the enemy is going to break. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I give my life to you all over again. The enemy has connected me, some soul ties on my life, some things that, that are option B. It's not your will. It's not your plan. It's not your desire for my life, and I know it. And I can't free myself, but right now I can do what I can do, and grace will do what I can't do. And I'm with my will, make up my mind. I want to be free. I want to lose some of those things that have weighed me down. I want the elevator to go up. I want to go to another level of knowing you and loving you and serving you and walking in your will. So right now, cut me loose. Cut the ropes and let me go where you want me to go. In Jesus' name. Now throw your hands up and begin to praise Him. Begin to praise Him. Begin to praise Him. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.